Where did he go? Oh, fuck. Here we are. Basic. That's the super basic. Very basic. Got a lot of bass in your face. Is that a Rage Against the Machine boom, song? Boom, bass in your boom, boom face. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cringe, actually. Thank you. There's nothing else on Hacker News. There's nothing interesting to talk about. Yeah, IT's all been, it's all been done before. Yeah. It's just the same ideas Nothing's over changed. and over. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Well, that's why people are going back to monolithic repos now. That's Re- right, mono repos. Because, you know... We're ahead of the curve on that one. Because like you said before, everyone everyone was with Ruby on Rails when Web 2.0 came out. And they're like, no, 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 we need our client-side logic. We don't want no server-side logic. Yeah. That's when everything really went wrong for the world, I feel. And now it's all get just coming back. Do you know why everyone does React, though? It's not because people think it's the best fit for their application. It's because why is it? as an engineer, you have to have the most up-to-date skill set. If you don't ah, have React true. or Angular or a front-end framework yep. on your resume, mm. it, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's just not allowed anymore. So maybe Fortran's going to make a resurgence soon. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about yeah. going to, for sure. Because everyone's going to need to, you know, debug all this old code that stops working after Y2K20. Wait, it's been Y2K20. <laughs> Doesn't apply. So it's kind of like fashion trends. Like, you know, 90s is back trending again in fashion. Like, yeah. mom, you know, you've got to wear like baggy jeans and stuff. It's coming back. So, so now DHH has come out with, what is it, Hotwire? Hot which wire. is essentially like... The same thing that Rails has been doing for a long time, but with a better dress code, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so it, it um, from what I've seen, it's just uh, you render static HTML with like data binding uh, attributes on the elements, mm. and then uh, it's able to inject data, and but it's not. It doesn't take over the whole app. It's only a partial thing. But uh, how's it inject the data? It, y- there's like an attribute you apply to the HTML yeah. and then you can reference those those attributes inside of your controller. Mm. You're like JavaScript controller for the page or whatever. Where's that live? Is it still on the client or? Uh, yeah, it'd be, I would assume it'd be both. Mm. Yeah. Because it has to, to bind in the first place the data and then there has to be like transitions afterwards. Mm. Yeah. But who knows? I haven't really used it. No, I haven't got into it either. No, I just like talking about things. But React's going... That's why I made a podcast. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Yeah. But React's got those server-side components coming out too now. Is that even real though? What, what yeah. is that? It, I didn't. I read that entire example that they came out with mm. and I just don't get it. I don't get why I would ever do that. Well, maybe you've got some logic that you can run on the back end and you don't need to, to run on the front end. Yeah. And Isn't that just SSR though? It is SSR. Yeah. But maybe you've got a component in the middle and maybe you've got like a parent component and then a child component and then a grandchild component. Right. And maybe like... How do you keep the grandchildren up to date? Yeah, maybe the grandchildren and the grandparents are on the client and then but the parents are on the server. Oh, right. But the aunties and uncles are also nested somewhere. I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) anymore. (laughs) I've got I've got a better idea. Yeah. What if we just go back to using HTML? I would love that. Yeah. How fast? And then we'd all be doing the same thing. Now we have to stratify across two different teams, it seems, everywhere. Mm. There's going to be like your core APIs team. There's going to be the front-end team. Mm. They're all going to be totally, you know, separate. Yep. We've already got so much to learn. That's right. I was thinking about it the other day. I, uh, so when, I, when we were at the boot camp, I bought... A Udemy course called, yep. I forget what it's called, Introduction to Web Development. There's like 7,000 of those. Yeah, this was Never like buy a Udemy course. This was the one. Oh, I loved it. This you was, loved it? This uh. was the one that's, and it's got like 20,000 downloads. Colt Steele is the guy who done it. I probably bought it as well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It was They're all like $10. It was quite good at the time. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I was flicking through Udemy last night and I noticed that he'd updated the course for 2021. Yeah. So... It's been, it's prob- it was probably like 
it's been around for like four or five years this course now yeah so i thought oh let's see what he's done with all his new content and then i was reading through all the thing that you know someone a beginner would want to learn getting into web development and there was videos upon videos and chapters upon chapters like html css javascript mongodb yeah node and he went pretty deep you shouldn't be teaching anyone mongodb though (laughs) (laughs) see this is the problem with udemy uh it's just it's funny to think about how much knowledge you actually like just to build a website look how broad your range of knowledge has to be Yes. You think you can actually go deep on any of this stuff? I don't know. Every time I look at how much I have to learn. I feel pretty deep. Do you? Yeah. About programming or just? Just programming in general. Well, it was Valentine's Day the other day. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, hopefully my mom doesn't get that joke. Uh, no, no, I mean I like, I deep, like deep affection deep? for someone when you feel like that. No, no, but how, how deep? What do you mean by deep? Like the deep affection I have for JavaScript after reading one of Kyle Simpson's books. Yes. Well, I, I, it's the same thing. It's all the same language. It's uh, You have to learn the fundamentals, and then all of the other stuff is quite straightforward. Mm, that's so true. You had a breakthrough this week. I did. <laughs> Kyle Simpson, thank you. Yeah. If he's listening at home, thank I, you, Kyle. I love you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told me to read his book back like two years ago. Yeah. You, you, you said to me, I think uh, the most value you can get is doing Code Wars and reading Kyle Simpson's books. Yes, I was a big fan at the time. I think the the best way to learn a language is just to, you know, bash away at problems. The really good thing about Code Wars was that uh, once you do it, you get to see how everyone else did it. Mm. Like there's like, I don't know if you remember that, but like afterwards there's the comments and then like everyone can comment and pick what the best solution is. And I remember when I started there, my JavaScript skill, when I started doing Code Wars, I was like, everything was super long and, you know, yep. I, I didn't really fully understand like what map did in JavaScript. Yep. And then what you do is you submit like the 120 line long <laughs> solution and then you complete it. And the next guy has it done in like one line yeah. <laughs> and Crazy, like 20 characters know, so and you're so upset. Yep. So that's how, that's how you improve. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle Simpson, obviously, is the other one, for yeah. JavaScript in particular. But um, the issue I had with the Kyle Simpson... So, I, I did take your advice at the time. Yeah. And I'd done some code wars. I actually leveled up a couple of belts on Qs or whatever yeah, it was called. Yeah, choirs. Choirs, yeah. Well, I leveled up a couple of levels. I think it's like the jujitsu belt. Jiu-jitsu belt system. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Joseph will be so angry when he hears <laughs> this. We don't know anything about belts. No. <laughs> I was just writing the code. I yeah. I don't know about the... I didn't actually <laughs> get a belt in the <laughs> mail. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm still waiting for mine <laughs> as well. <laughs> But then when I, at the time when I tried to read Kyle Simpson's books, uh, I, I think I just didn't have the, the base knowledge of JavaScript and, and programming in general to be able to fully understand what, like the points he was trying to make. Even though I could read it, but I could read it. And did you actually try to read it before? I did, and I didn't like it because oh, okay. he had the free GitHub. He's got them available on GitHub. It's not the same. You need the paper. You need to be able to taste the tree. Yeah, Paper is lovely, yeah. having a physical book. But I thought I'll give it a go on the GitHub repo because it was free. But when I started reading it, I, I would I would kind of get a little bit uh, lost because I would have to reference so much stuff. So yeah. I would start reading and then he would start talking about things. I didn't really understand it. So then, You probably started with the wrong one as well. Cause I, I think I started with the, like, the very first one. Which one? Like you know I think it is? is it Types? Yeah, the types one, one, that would be the beginning. I think I started there. Uh, Maybe I got through it and it wasn't too bad, but I think the second one is where I got really stuck. Yeah. But uh, the types one, he does go into like integers and like overflow and all this stuff. So Mm. that could have been confusing. Yeah. But I had some spare time over the past few days because I was traveling into states. I thought, what am I going to do? Spare time. Spare time. Aren't we building a product? Well, I tried to code, uh, I was catching the bus and I tried to code on the bus, but it wasn't really, the, the setup wasn't great. Like no. the tray to put the laptop was like half the width of the laptop. So it was like tipping off. And oh, that's sad. The screen was hitting the seat in front. But you brought the book. Yeah, well, I thought I'll read the book. You never do though when you bring the book. I always bring the book on the trips. Well, I was going to bring three books and then I thought I better cut it back to two. Yeah. 
and then I end up reading just one book. Yeah, of course. You never read them. No. Nah. Because so you've got your phone now. Yeah, that's true. I try and avoid the phone. Why? Got to be got to be productive. But uh, the, so the 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 book that I took was the this uh, and object prototypes. Yes, we have the physical book. Yeah, I had to look over my shoulder to get the name right. <laughs> <laughs> the yellow, beautiful book. There's yep. a there's a whole set. I don't know if he's added more to it, mm. but uh, they were certainly instrumental for me in becoming a JavaScript. Grandmaster. Have you read all of them? Yeah. <laughs> Can I say <laughs> that? Yeah. I've never heard that term before, but I'm I think you should adorn yourself with it. Why not? So I don't, there's uh, anyone who hasn't seen my LinkedIn profile, obviously most people have. Mm. I've uh, gone through several <laughs> career changes. <laughs> I think I was initially a software messiah. <laughs> then I became a software prophet, <laughs> software deity, and now I'll be... What was it? Software Grandmaster. Software Grandmaster. Yeah. That's my next job title. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a certain ring to it. It does. Yes, yeah, so I got... Uh, I thought I'd give it another another go. Because we've been doing so much TypeScript lately, there's a fair bit of inheritance there. Yeah. I wanted to kind of know what was going on under the hood. And then, so when I seen the, the, the topic, like the, the title of the book was this and object prototypes, I'm like, this is perfect. That's some object-oriented stuff. Mm. Love it. But then as I found, uh, JavaScript is not object-oriented, despite all these classes and, and object-oriented names getting thrown, in, thrown around and, yeah. and syntax. I mean, uh, I think when you say object-oriented, this is one thing that I, uh, I, I always have an issue with, is that... Um, object-oriented and functional and all this stuff, they're paradigms, and they're about the way that we organize and run code. Mm. You can force uh, most languages to be object-oriented or functional. Mm. They just have some basic requirements. Mm. So I don't know. It, it is still object-oriented if you treat it that way. However, anyway, I digress. How did you find the book? I loved it. Yeah. Um you could really tell. So up till now, Kyle Simpson, I just watched a few of his videos on front-end masters maybe and like a few posts here and there. Actually, the most of the time he would pop up whenever there was like a heated conversation about whether you can use VAR or not. Yeah, that's he, my favorite one. He would pop in like... I'm always with Kyle on this. <laughs> he would chime in about that and... Um, I used to get the pull request review comments. I don't <laughs> know if you remember at our internship and then also pretty much everywhere else I've worked. I will occasionally use VAR. Yeah specifically for its hoisting mechanics uh and people typically like are have a gut reaction to like <laughs> var you're not allowed to use that yeah yeah so that was and then i have to send them kyle simpson's tweets and yeah. i'm like have you read all these books That's no right. yeah. then <laughs> yeah well i think this ties back into uh, you made this point to me a few weeks back which is what made me pick the book up is that like the whole title of the series is you don't know javascript because no one does. Mm. It's too big. It's chunky. It's very big. And there's a lot of assumptions that get made when people learn JavaScript. And what I, what I found in the book, and I think it, it's kind of Kyle's opinion, is that JavaScript is its own, has its own style of doing things its own, in its own beautiful way. Um, but if a lot you know of it. If you know it. Like a lot of the confusion around JavaScript is because people are trying to use the idioms for... Other languages, they come from C or Java yeah. and they expect everything to be identical yep. and then they come into our land and <laughs> they want it to look like their land. Yeah, but you know what? Get out of here, <laughs> <laughs> Java people. <laughs> Double equal is useful. Yeah. yeah. If you know how to use it. That's right. You have to understand coercion. Mm. And this, is the, this was the whole point of uh, the the book about the object prototype being that, you know, you probably, even though ES6 came out with um, classes, maybe you don't actually need classes if you understand how, what JavaScript is actually doing with its prototypical inheritance. What the uh, the r actual syntax sugar is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's nice. I, I would actually prefer that syntax if it was possible. Yeah. There is a bit of extra work, I think, but isn't there? If, yeah. you want, if you don't want to use classes to get the same. With TypeScript, it's just not 
it's just not really possible because uh, when you define a method on an object, it, it wants you to define what the type of the object is up front, mm -hmm. and you end up writing the same thing three or four times, mm -hmm. which I, I, I have really weak wrists, <laughs> so I'm not a fan of doing that. Yeah. So it's just typically better to just go with TypeScript and be like, yeah, I'll define everything in a class. Yeah. There's some downsides to that as well. Like you can't do some tricky stuff, but um, I normally get in trouble for doing tricky stuff yeah. with everyone else on the team. Keep it simple. So yeah. Yeah. So the class actually does make it simpler in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it's nice to know. I think it's super important to know what the actual class syntax sugar is doing for you. Yeah. There's not much magic. No. You it's keep saying that to me too. So yeah. I'm like, I'm diving Constantly. deep on all these, all these things inside JavaScript and trying to work out how they work. Yeah. And you, you finally discovered what the, um, you know, when you console log an object, right? There's yeah. the grayed out text yeah. that you always ignore yeah that's the actual prototype of that object yeah that was awesome and then the iterator keys they'll be in there you know this was all this hidden goodness that you just ignore well the great thing about kyle's book was uh he he took the time to to explain to you these important f like facets of objects inside javascript yeah and i feel like they get glossed over a lot because I suppose uh, it's probably my own fault, but I always tend to like Google search a lot of my information. But the issue with that is people write short form articles solving one minor problem and you don't always get the Can big Can you clarify picture. that? What do you mean by you Google your product? Because obviously I Google everything as well. There's no other, So I don't, I don't duck, duck, go it. It's kind of like uh, unknown unknowns. Yeah. So like in Kyle's book, he talks about... Uh, innumerable values on your objects and um i had seen that like i'm sure i've come across you it probably before. used it at some point i yeah. probably used it before maybe but didn't know what it was doing didn't know what it was doing yeah and um i've never really actually searched for that term normally i'm normally when i'm searching for star like for javascript issues it's like how do i do a certain thing how, how to make google map api exactly yeah <laughs> how to build a type ahead how to do these certain things but but Kyle's approach was nice because it just bottom up, bottom up, yeah. yeah, fundamentals, foundations, yeah, understand what you're doing, and it's nice because he he talks about a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, assumptions people make about JavaScript, and he talks about all the things it's not first, and then says, okay, now let's look at what it actually is. Yes. Yeah. Do you think Kyle Simpson knows JavaScript? He knows it as. As well as, as most some of the best, as I, would, I would guess. Probably the guy who wrote the language is probably better than Brendan. He knows it very Little well. Brendy. But I probably don't know enough to make that uh, To make that call. Decision. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll abstain from that as well. <laughs> but uh, you could definitely hear the tone of his writing. You could feel his love for JavaScript and like just... How, how much he, he appreciates does. it the way it he's is. He's a really nice guy as well. Yeah. He, I feel like um, on Twitter and everything, he's gotten a lot of flack for stuff. Mm. I've uh, he, He's retweeted me once or twice and I've tweeted at him. Oh. It's, been, it's been a good relationship. I'm always very encouraging to him. He gets down on himself, you know, Kyle. Yeah. Which is very sad because he contributes so much. He does. Yeah. His courses are fundamental to my understanding of JavaScript. Mm. So I want to. Uh, I wouldn't have got any of this from MDN. I can tell you. <laughs> MDN, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice. You know, documentation's great. If you're reading MDN, it, it's clear and concise. If you know what you're looking for, someone you, you sometimes you need the mentor to guide you through and say, like, and show you things. Even the documentation might not even explain prototypes that well. I feel. No, or the applications, or how small nuance differences can make such a, a big difference to your yeah. code. And like there's probably a whole page on coercion, but it's not going to be as interesting as Mr. Kyle. No, he, he's good. Yeah. So he's got a new fan. Who's me. Did he? Yeah, me. Oh, right. <laughs> not like a Dyson. Like an... A oh, a human fan, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. cool. Like a living being. A living being that uh, admires him. Yeah. That's strong. But I want to... Uh, I want to keep reading the other books. I'll probably get the... Which one did you say to go next? Async, yeah. I feel like... Um, give me the give me the lead up. The give lead up. Give me the... Uh, I'm going to tell you why it's important, yeah, I think, is more go. than anything. Yeah. Uh, 
understanding async async code mm -hmm. in JavaScript. JavaScript essentially just is async. Like yeah. it is the strength of the language. I feel yeah. it's if if uh, if it wasn't so good at doing asynchronous execution, if we didn't have the event loop in in Node, all these other things, I feel like JavaScript would not have taken off as much as it has. Mm. The fact that there's uh, this system in place that makes writing code that's executing at the same time or not literally at the same time but in in parallel in a way mm. uh makes it very easy for beginners to write much more efficient code mm. uh, so it's also one of those pieces that it will improve your every endpoint that you write if you write an api endpoint it will improve it mm. most of the time when i start on a code base like a legacy code base i open it up especially in javascript and I can see typically, immediately, three or four improvements mm. that will typically like double the performance of the endpoint. Around promises? Around promises, yeah. yeah. Because people use async await, and they go await this, await that, await that, yep. and then you're waiting for everything synchronously. Yep. And you've essentially wasted JavaScript strength, which is doing things essentially at once. Yep. When you're doing I.O., reading from a file, uh, making it a... a a request to the database, those things, other other code can execute and you can queue up a lot of stuff. As an aside, yeah. I live my whole life async after learning JavaScript. Really? Yes, yeah, so I like wake up on Sunday, put the washing on. And you promise. And then like while the washing's going, I'll put the coffee pot on. All thanks to JavaScript. Yeah, I like I think about it Promise. in terms of promises. Yeah. I like <laughs> <laughs> await them. You dream in promises? Yeah, it's funny. I definitely dream in async. Yeah, you got to go. You got to get like you got to send all your promises off in the morning, and then yeah. you like come back. But anyway, I most of my promises reject. Like I, I start the promise, do dishes, and then <laughs> promise never resolves, <laughs> uh, and then I get a no there, and my process exits. But you know how to handle it. That's fine. I do. I've got my catch block, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've also seen. So that's that's one thing. Like I've actually, I remember. It's always very impressive for other people because mm. you'll you'll open the code base, you'll make two two a two line change, and you will double double the speed of one of their endpoints mm. because they didn't necessarily completely understand how promises executed. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely worth learning about. I've um I got in my past role I was doing a few endpoints and I got pretty good with I think I got pretty good with this kind of thing you're talking about, um like resolving arrays of promises and not awaiting things that didn't have to be. Yeah. But I only used the very basic promise APIs like um, promise.all. Yeah. Uh, but there's new ones That's now. That's the big one. That's the big one. But like... Is like the race ones and everything? Yeah, all I these new ones are coming out. Do you use any of those? Or? I would be... Uh, what are they? A bit worried to use them because that's another thing that I see is that as these new APIs come out that let you do things like race promises... Uh, Promises aren't isn't there one like cancelable. Isn't there one called all resolved where it only works if everything resolves? Yeah, I think there's there might be one where there like it returns either an error, like it, it essentially just wraps it into a, an object yeah. if it's got an error yep. or data. Mm. Uh, but it always resolves. Yeah. Uh, so that you no longer have like a promise throw. Mm. But that's it's a very light abstraction. Like it's barely even worth using the the uh, actual ES what eight what 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 ES are we up to twenty twenty one now I suppose ES twenty twenty one they batched them with the years now oh right it's not an incremental integer that's sad I like the number ES six was twenty fifteen yeah and then we went to ES I was about to say 17. ES six before because I'm just so used to saying <laughs> ES six <laughs> <laughs> but ES six is where all the magic happened and everything past that is kind of just just fluff. sugar isn't it, it it really is yeah. I feel yeah promises still existed before that. Async await though that's that's probably what oh, yeah. one of the the nicest changes to to the language has been. Mm. Uh, but uh, those those new systems they all I feel if you do not understand async code in JavaScript they lead to you making bigger mistakes. For example, uh, if you have three promises execute, yep. uh, and one of them throws like two seconds into the process, but the others go for 40 seconds, the other two promises are still running. Mm. They don't stop magically. 
as soon as you kick off a promise, it's going to go until it dies, mm. essentially, unless you have some other logic baked into it. Yep. The, the ES6 promise is not cancelable. Like these sort of little things that you need to be aware of to prevent much larger bugs in your system mm. are in that book. Yep. Yeah. And you you have to know it for, for JavaScript, certainly. Yep. Less so, so for React. I mean, I feel like in React, you essentially just do API call set state. Not too bad. A lot of a lot of front end is uh, to do with just working with APIs, getting things to work together, isn't it? Well, that's typically what I would hope would be in the back end. Mm. But uh, for the ideal front end for me is just dealing with like calling one endpoint and then slamming some data on a screen. I'm talking about like um, CSS APIs and HTML APIs. Oh right, yeah. Dom, those the those DOM APIs, yeah, the, like the crappier APIs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean like yeah, the external APIs. Yeah, HTTP APIs. Yeah, no. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the work in front end just ends up being chasing making things play nice with each other. Yeah, chasing some padding. Yeah, trying to figure out padding. why the hell that icon is left wrapping. That padding chasing. Oh, shit, I don't know if I fixed that this morning. <laughs> there may be a bug in that code I just merged today. <laughs> That's fine. It's all right. It's front end code. Actually. We've been working on a fair few new features for the app, haven't we? We've got, uh, yeah. We've we're got making pretty good progress. Yeah, what what features? We've got notifications I'm working on. Yeah, tell me about that. Notifications All I know is, is that you're doing it. I don't know, like... Yeah, I just said I was going to do it, and then I went off into my... I, I like to do uh, big features. <laughs> like, I, I run away. Like, I don't know if you remember when I implemented workflows, but I yeah. essentially just run away for, uh, like, a week, yeah. and then I come back, and it's done. Yes. That's... that's that's my preferred style of working. That's my preferred style of working. Yeah, and no communication. No, no, no updates. <laughs> That's the best way. It's too awkward otherwise. It'll be done when it's done. Yes. How long will it take? It'll it's take as long as it takes. Yeah. The um, Luckily, notifications I've done a few times, so uh, it's not too difficult. So when you talk notifications, what are the requirements for this? What are you building and what's the requirements? We just want to have, uh, so right now we've got the app built out, but uh, it feels pretty like you're alone in there, you know? There's not much visible user interaction from other people. You, you don't get a notification when someone, you know, clicks a button. Yep. It's very, very sad. Mm. And uh, I always feel lonely in our application right now. Mm. But to make the world more alive, we can add uh, some pop-up notifications, say, uh, when someone does something and you're in the application, you get a little ping and it's like, oh, you have a new employee mm. or, oh, someone's applied to your business, mm. which should be nice, mm. I think. Um, uh, so those are just uh, triggered off of the normal events that we have. It's it's like going in and it's like going in and adding tracing or logging or anything like that. It's one of those things that's like a, an afterthought, typically. Mm. You don't normally build your notification system up front. So now it's a process of me coming up with a system that works for what I think we're going to be doing in the next year mm. and uh, implementing it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be using uh, some queues. Mm. Not queue, actually. There's no queue. Uh, we're going to be using a SNS topic. So right. that's a publish subscribe. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. Uh, AWS, th one of the things that I really miss about um, GCP now that I've moved to AWS is that um, the GCP has one uh, system, which is PubSub, which has subscriptions. It is a queue. It can have ordering, and you can have multiple subscriptions to one topic. Mm -hmm. In AWS, you have to manage like uh, SNS and SQS, and then the order of SNS to SQS matters, and then uh, SQS has some downsides, like it has to pull at Lambda, and it costs money, and it's sad. And then SNS has some downside, like you can't change the redrive policy, and it'll run a hundred thousand, literally a hundred thousand times, mm -hmm. and there's no way to get around it if it fails. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so we'll be using SNS primarily straight from the application. Um, invoke SNS. We'll shoot a little notification request is what I'm calling it. Uh, and then there's a Lambda listening on the other end of that that's going to take that um, stored in the database. So we're not doing anything fancy like sending the notification to the browser yet. Uh, I'll implement a service worker at some point for that. But for now... It's literally the simplest notification simple service. You could call it SNS even. Mm. Uh, I think that acronym's taken. But yeah. So you'll say, you'll give it some IDs like, oh, this is the applicant's ID, and then it'll populate the data for that 
So it'll be a very low latency system because it'll push all of the notifications in the background because it doesn't really matter if it executes in the end, right? So that goes onto the topic, shot over to the Lambda, and then it gets stored in the database. Instead in our Postgres database? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see any reason to use anything else for quite some time. Mm. We're not going to be hitting millions of records, and Postgres can quite handily handle in the low order of millions of records. Mm. So we should be all right. Yep. Um, the way that I wanted to do it was to use... Uh, I wanted to send... So what I want to do is I want to have uh, a summary, an email summary. So the only out-of-band, so if you're off the application, the only out-of-band message that the user would receive would be an email that has the notification. Mm. So for example, if three things have happened since the last time they were on the system have occurred, or if some if there's a user uh, doing something on the system, then uh, it won't just send you 32 emails because 32 things have happened. It should send you a batch. So like every six hours during business hours or something like that. Uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to implement that with step functions. But uh, I investigated that, and it seems like there's actually a bit of pricing to that. Uh, and uh, there was some article saying that step functions doing a wait halfway through, li like this is a state machine, actually costs a decent bit of money. I wanted to just delay. So essentially, 15 minutes is the max it could wait. So if no new, 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 no new notifications have come in for a user in 15 minutes, then we'll send off an email. Mm. Unfortunately, that was way too expensive. So we're going back to the oldest system that I've implemented, which is essentially cron. Yep. So if there is a unread notification that has not been followed up uh, every day between business hours, every hour, or it's configurable, whatever, uh, it will attempt to send a summary email, which includes all of the events that have happened since you were last on the platform. And then can you also send notifications immediately if you want to? Is can you configure it's it? It's configurable, so yeah. So that you can have that one wouldn't be difficult, but... You can have one, like, if, uh, if you want action from a certain user, there's an event that might trigger a request, like an, a notification that goes well to the that no user to the ask... The in-band notifications are instant, so... What's in-band? In like, uh, so the... Uh, when I say that, it's not in-band as an in-request, but... Like if the person is on the other line, like essentially if they are logged into the system, they would get that notification immediately. Ah, the next time that they right. logged in, they're going to see it yep. no matter what. Gotcha. Well, we have a little drawer now that uh, you wouldn't have seen because I merged it yep. 20 minutes ago. Right. But uh, when someone applies to a business and completes their application, uh, they will get the business user will immediately within a matter of seconds have a notification in their system nice. saying that that's happened. Wow. The email, however, is slower. Mm. Ideally, it wouldn't just come out immediately. That's a, a mistake that I've seen and have gotten like like GitHub sends 400 notifications to me by email every day. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? It's very annoying. I hate systems like that. Mm. So. so I suppose maybe with GitHub, people do want every single message to come through maybe. I don't know anyone who'd want that. I, think I delete all of them. It's so annoying. Yeah. I actually just like select all because I only care about maybe 2% of all of the emails GitHub sends me. Yeah. But uh, I'm guessing they probably implemented it a long time ago and they haven't really looked at it because I don't know anyone who wants to know second by second every single comment and not even like they could at least batch it by like 10 minutes because I'll get like five pull request comments and then I'll get five emails right off the bat. It's very sad. If I wanted notifications immediately, I'd turn on browser notifications or something, not ah, yeah. email notifications. It's very hectic. Mm. There's a lot of noise in your inbox. Literally thousands of emails, yeah. Wow. And they're paying for all of those as well. But uh, I, Microsoft makes a lot of money, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I thought new Microsoft was good, but now that I think about it, no. Worst Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're working with, you know, legacy GitHub. You think they move? They probably haven't moved a lot of engineers over. They're they're probably keeping it as GitHub. Like I doubt they're changing the organization. I think much. that's the new strategy, isn't it? You if if you buy an organization, you just let it keep running. Yeah, rather don't than fuck with it. Yeah, you try yeah. and merge it into Microsoft. The next minute, you it implodes. It's just garbage. Yeah. And then GitLab is the next big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or Bitbucket. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't everyone run to GitLab when Microsoft bought GitHub? 
was that a thing? I, I seem to recall that. A few people did, I think. I remember everyone was running over, and now it's sort of died down. I remember every single Vim plugin I would use, I'd then have to be like, oh, GitLab. <laughs> All right, change <laughs> change the prefix of everything. It's very it's very frustrating. But GitLab's more about uh, CICD now, I think, isn't it? Well, GitHub is as well. But um, they do have a fantastic system mm. built in, yeah. GitHub is is mediocre. It does its job. <laughs> if you're uh, publishing an NPM package, fantastic. If you're running a business, obviously GitHub Actions is not going to cut it. Yeah. So. So. With the notifications. Yeah, tell me. Can you push the notifications anywhere? Like, can you send out to people's mobile phones? Can we do push notifications? Like, is we it all? Could do. Is it all, like, if we had a mobile app? So, browser notifications would require me to implement a service worker, like if I wanted to do... Yeah, so how does that work? Oh, yeah. There's, like, there's a there's an API that Chrome has that lets you imp, uh, hook up to an external service that does push notifications. Ah. And then it will, I don't know if it pulls. I don't know what the underlying implementation is. I've only ever used, what, SynGrid, I think? They have a, but there's there's a couple services that, you can link directly to, and then all you do is an HTTP request, essentially, mm. and then you get push notifications. So using something like that is a possibility, but uh, given my typical uh, standard of coding, I just implement it myself. So we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> Depends on if it costs money. If I can run it on serverless, then I'll just write it myself. But yep. if it requires me to have a server running 24-7, I'm not going to bother. No, that's right. That's actually my biggest blocker. more than Not blocker, but... That's my biggest limiter. What? Will it run constantly? Ah. If it runs constantly, we have to use a service. Yeah. It's very sad. Well, you've got to watch the, the bank account. That's true. It's free right now. It's free for now, yeah. Yeah. I, have we had an AWS bill that costs money? I don't think so. Well, we, we got set up with Initially. the... Initially. With the... Um, like the startup package with AWS. They gave us some free credits. They gave us some money. We won't say how much, but um, it was good. It was... It's enough to get keep us running probably for a year. No, no AWS bill. Yeah, as long like. as uh, as long as nothing majorly wrong happens, or majorly successful, or majorly successful, yeah. yeah, which will be fine. Which will happen <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, will be that'll be more than uh, our biggest bill right now is from that gateway, that garbage trash service. Is that for the uh, VPN? Yeah, no VPC. The VPC. Yeah, because we're using for that. Um, so we use What's it called? we so WireGuard. Uh, VPN is WireGuard, yeah. VPN so is WireGuard. I implemented yeah, yeah. a uh, VPN, a very basic one, just like I've done it six or seven times now uh, from my local networks and also uh, at companies and just between devices. WireGuard is like a twenty-second setup. I feel there's an Ansible role. You point it at a Debian box and it'll set up WireGuard. Uh, it's hard. WireGuard's hard because uh, you can't. Well, there are systems that will let you, but uh, you can't do user uh, like referencing users from an external system. You have to manually generate a key and hand it to the server, and also give a, a, the the server's key to the user. Mm. So there's a lot of manual handholding. So there's like a process that has to be followed to get someone on board into a WireGuard VPN, but otherwise. It takes up absolutely no system resor resources. It's very lightweight. Uh, you can choose which um, subnet, subnet mask you wanna, you know, target your CIDR, uh, and uh, yeah, very easy. Mm. It's only actually fifteen lines, I think, to to do our VPN. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's quite good. It's very very easy. But you do infrastructure for fun. I do. <laughs> I actually miss doing infrastructure. <laughs> it's sad. Every time, I always, this is what happens to me. I want to do the infrastructure, and then I get hired. <laughs> and then they make me do the fucking coding. <laughs> I just want to fuck around in AWS. <laughs> Why does everyone do this to me? Well, it's kind of like, I, I was saying this to you before, too. After reading Carl Simpson's books about JavaScript, I got really, really excited to just program like no just brainy programming yeah just like just using javascript not no css no external apis well we'll hook up hook you up to work on the api 
But then the, the thing is, like you programming, like the actual coding with a language is only part of the role. Like it's a means to an end. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's just part of your tool chain. Disgusting. Don't you think, but like it is for sure. The more the more you I do, do less it, coding. That's what I reckon. Like the more senior you get, because you, what it's really about is working out how to plug everything together so it works, and then the code is just like your tool belt to make everything play nice. Yes. But and no, but yes. But you, but all you're doing is working with whether it's whether you're on the front end and you're trying to get HTML and CSS to do certain things, then you use your JavaScript tool set to make the HTML the and the CSS do something. Do something. And then same on the back end, it's like y- you've got all your AWS services and you've got a database, but all you're really doing is just using the JavaScript to make things move around yeah. your infrastructure. We're just in. a mid-layer. Yeah. <laughs> We're mid-layer, mid-layer developers. Yeah. The mid, most useless of beings. Yeah, yeah, that's me too. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm mid-layer yet. I'm definitely lower than that. No, but, uh, you know, programming is still, there's still uh, things that don't necessarily involve external APIs that you build. You can still just process data. Well, I built that uh, game that I was telling you about. That was heaps of fun. That's true. Mm. That's, it is, well, it depends on how abstract you want to get. Because technically, you're just pushing pixels on the screen. You're just manipulating the canvas. Yeah. No, I don't know. Just a, it feels bad that analogy. We're we're very important people, Frank. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. So yeah, I've, I don't know if everyone knows, but I built like this mini game to run in the browser, just for fun. Because we, we were speaking about it a while ago. Like I think you said, yeah, in episode one hundred eight, you might say, yeah, you're saying how gaming on the blockchain advantageous to uh, to build games. Like it helps you helps you think about programming a different way. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I don't. Every it. language, every type of program. Actually, I need to pick up a new language now. That's true. I'll help with that. Ruby. Ruby. Yeah, I could go. That would be like it would Actually, literally no, be would like doing a new language. Ruby, really? I haven't touched it, is it in beneficial. two years. Yeah. But I'm probably better off doing something like uh, GoLang or Python, maybe. No Python. You're not allowed to do Python. No, why? I'm vetoing that. How come? I don't want to be mean to anyone, but I hate Python. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, I have a very petty reason, <laughs> but also I just like with JavaScript in existence, I don't see why you would because yep. uh, anything that Python can do, JavaScript can do better. Yep. And also we have TypeScript. So yeah, yeah fuck you, Python people. <laughs> Sorry, G, I didn't mean that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like the only thing Python has are libraries, I feel. I don't know what it actually has in the language itself that there is to be jealous of as a JavaScript or TypeScript developer. It's just like what libraries exist in Python that don't exist in JavaScript. So it's not like you're shifting paradigms. It's still going to be the same. You, you're going to write j- Python essentially like you write JavaScript, yeah. which I don't think is hugely beneficial. No. You need to learn something that is a paradigm shift. Mm. Yeah. Or even better, like a platform shift, like learning how to make a, an iOS app could uh, be very beneficial yeah. for you. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. But if you just learn JavaScript and Python, also that's like, Python and JavaScript, not big programmer respect. No, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, They're both, you know, dynamic languages that you teach kids. Well, even Brendan Ike said... Uh, Python is trash? No, he said, like, JavaScript when he... Like, he knew that there was a need for a language which wasn't so uh, complicated. Anyone could use it. Like, someone like a designer could use or a, uh, an accountant or... Someone who, needs, someone who needs to do some basic kind of programming. That's what they said about C as well, though. Oh, realize. did they? Yeah, and the Unix command line. Did I ever send you that video of where they talk about um, the, the Unix system and why they built it? No. It's like <laughs> they've got an example of this guy with a beard. I don't know his name. I'm sorry. I'm not that much of a, a, a Unix person. but um, He's got a beard, so he's qualified. He's got a beard, so he's definitely qualified. <laughs> and he's like, you can just imagine anyone would be able to edit their documents. And he's in there like doing pipes <laughs> in between like command line utilities and I'm like I think me and like two other people know how to do this that I'm that I know of so he's like writing his own dictionary and he's like just think about how it, this empowers everyone on the planet to be able to uh, build systems and they they they're actually showing they have like the uh, the front desk lady she's she's using the unix unix command line as well yeah. to like do her job and she's like it's so much easier <laughs> 
Whereas now, if it's not, you know, Google Docs, I feel like, you know. That's the standard. Yeah. But anyway, every uh, a lot of these languages, they say like, oh, it's going to be easier. C was infinitely easier than the last one and then Python, JavaScript. And so maybe there'll be a, another one that precedes JavaScript. Just it'll thought. It'll be even easier. Yeah. You think and it becomes. I think TypeScript's easier than JavaScript. Me too. Yeah. It catches all your bugs. And then when you don't like it, you just you don't look at it. You say, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes away. Yeah. BS ignore. Yeah. Yeah, put that everywhere. I've got it on almost every code base that I've worked <laughs> on. There's a TS ignore somewhere. Yeah, the TypeScript, I don't know. We say it every episode, but every time I look at the old JavaScript code. Scared. It's very scary. I feel scared, cold, and alone when I look at vanilla JavaScript. I I've o- I've think I've only shipped production bugs in vanilla JavaScript. Mm. I don't think I've shipped a TypeScript production bug. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, need to go deeper into TypeScript. That's why I want to keep learning Kyle Simpson stuff so that I yeah, know what TypeScript's doing on top. You need to know JavaScript mm. so you understand the abstraction, mm. right? Or the the helpers that TypeScript adds. Mm. TypeScript doesn't add that much. We were, I uh, I think I, we mentioned it today. Uh, like the only runtime thing I can think of that TypeScript adds is enums. Yeah. Everything else is just like decoration, flavor text. You could ignore it if you wanted to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I compiled the. I was on TypeScript Playground, I think it's called. Yeah. And I compiled the enum just to see how it works. It's pretty cool. It's cool when you like write TypeScript and then compile it into ES6 and then ES5 and then see how it's all different. Yeah. Did you ever play with the Babel transpiler? No. They have that on the Babel website as well. Yeah. What was I looking at? Uh, promises the way that it polyfilled promises and yeah. then also the way that um they do what did they do i think async await it's fascinating mm. it's quite interesting that they're able to reliably transpile all this like brand new shiny stuff into this ancient code mm. quite cool that's what we're good at javascript what? making the new stuff work on the Just old stuff. moving on to the shiny stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave the old stuff behind i wonder if other languages do that i don't think java does that Backwards Java's more mature, yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's not like a transpiler that I'm aware of, where, or at least th- there's definitely not one widely used where you can just like ship it backwards. Mm. No, I think Java's pretty strict on yeah. that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. But with, uh, with your JavaScript, when you, when you use like a modern, say like uh, async await, that's ES6, right? Yeah. So if you write async await in ES6 and then run it, then you run it as ES6. But then if you transpile it to ES5, is it still is the performance still the same or No, it's always going to be worse. Which way? Uh, if you have to transpile down, yeah. You either have to polyfill something for uh, async await, I believe it's generators. So they have to polyfill generators and then they use generators in order to create async await. Mm. Uh, so there's a decent performance hit uh-huh. when you when you transpile down lower. Yep. So that's why uh, larger companies with bigger React applications or bigger JavaScript applications will serve more than one version. They'll actually have these very advanced systems mm which will check what version of uh, JavaScript can you use as the first request, yep. and then it will send them the bundle that is optimized for their version. Oh, wow. So if they're on the latest Chrome, they'll yep. get the new bundle, and yep. they're going to run like a dream. Yep. Uh, but if they're on Internet Explorer, they're going to get the horrific, massive, because yep. it wow. also adds a lot of size. Mm. And a lot of the startup time, you know how um, it's first time to paint is like one of the big metrics that yep. everyone's trying to hit now with the uh, Lighthouse and everything. Mm way chrome's going that is massively impacted by just the size of the bundle just like the the compiler having to or the the jit compiler having to like jump over all your code mm. and read it all all at once before it can render anything what's jit compiler just in time oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. when you say jit i think like gif yeah. but with an accent <laughs> like jif and gif <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the more modern you can go, because then it's the obviously better. built into the language. Yeah. Mm. So it's going to be optimized in multiple ways. Yeah, nice. Yes, very cool. And possibly, if you're using those modern language features, they might even be able to optimize it more than you'd expect. Like using ES6 classes, I don't think there's any under-the-hood optimizations you get, but um, the way that they optimize V8, like there's all these, like uh, they'll actually change the type of variables if they know that that code path is only using integers. They'll actually, instead of boxing it in like this any box, which is massive, mm. they'll box it in an integer and you'll oh. get massively improved performance if right. you run the same code, taking the exact same arguments yep. over and over. Mm. So you never know when these things that are built into the new versions of the language are going to get optimized in some way that makes yep. them better than the old ways. Mm. Yeah. So speaking of all like new versions of JavaScript, and this kind of ties into one uh, point that you made a while ago about Go, how you can't wait for Go generics. Very excited. That will be the end of me working in TypeScript. Oh, serious? I think so. Oh, wow. I don't well if unless I have to do front end, but then I'm like really tempted just to use like pug or something front end. <laughs> but what I was going to say was, is there anything left in JavaScript that you really want from a programming language, or does it do everything you want it to do now? No, it definitely doesn't. There's not like um, I I don't want more constructs. What I want is it's like AWS coming out with things that are half baked how AWS delivers the service and they leave it and it doesn't get updated. I feel like there's there's some... TypeScript's doing pretty good, but specifically in TypeScript, there's like little edge cases where there's just like, just things aren't the way that they should be yet. Mm. And they will get there, but like there's little typing errors where you, it shouldn't be an issue, but it is mm. for whatever reason. Um I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I run into them all the time and I end up writing massive workarounds because I'm a completionist. Yep. So they're those sort of little annoyances. Little annoyances, but is there any like major... What kind of feature? Well, like back before ES6 classes came out, there would have been like a fair bit of momentum behind people asking for classes. So is there any like big mm -hmm. things that people still want in JavaScript or is is it kind of getting towards a more complete programming language now i can only think of one proposal uh decorators are one thing Oh, decorators yeah decorators are a proposal that needs to get accepted and then uh, what's the the name of the board who manages uh, the ecmascript standard i don't the european what are the propo- computer something no, the, uh, but there's like a um there, there anyway there's a couple there are a couple proposals that i have that I'm watching on GitHub that I am interested in getting implemented. I can't remember what they're called, mm. but they're little things. They're not important. Yep. Uh, oh, cancelable promises. That is one. Oh, yeah. A way to exit those would be great. Yep. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, everything's just going to be performance and fixing nitpicks in TypeScript. I, I've never felt limited, like I can't do anything in mm. in Node or TypeScript. So you know how... Um, like TensorFlow JS, yeah, like a machine learning library mm-hmm. for ju- written in JavaScript, yeah, and front ends JavaScript, back ends JavaScript. There seems to be getting more and more use cases for JavaScript. Is it just going to get to the point where everyone gives up on other programming languages and just says we're just using JavaScript? I'm offended that you asked that question. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Maybe you don't need all those other programming languages. No, you do though. Why? JavaScript is so inefficient. It's obscene how inefficient JavaScript is. And we're doing really well with it. Like, it's amazing how far it's come. Yeah. But relative to something like Go, like just serving an HTTP request, like we're probably... Well, what about like... We're heating up the planet with the amount of like un- unnecessary CPU usage that we that we go through. Yeah. But what about like Deno, you can compile your, job, your TypeScript to, to binary now? It's still so going to be inefficient, though, because those types, they're not going to be strictly... Every time... So the 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 nice thing about TypeScript and all these like dynamic langu- languages is that you can do whatever you want, but at the cost of doing whatever you want, the computer doesn't necessarily know that it can optimize things mm. necessarily. Mm. So it, there's always going to be like any boxing, which is like... 
it could be a string, it could be an integer, it could be an object, mm. and you don't know until it's accessed, essentially. Mm. So there's all these little, like, everything is wrapped and wrapped and wrapped and wrapped, and it's at such a high level of abstraction that it's very expensive mm. to run. So, And we're, we've, we've hit the point where CPUs aren't getting... It used to be CPUs and, and memory, they were all doubling year by year. Mm. Like the amount of processor power we had available to us, the amount of RAM that we had, but we're capping. Mm. We're not getting that much more anymore. So we're, we're hitting the, the peak, and Slack still takes uh, friggin' 15% of my CPU <laughs> at a minimum, <laughs> and like <laughs> four gigs of RAM, which seems unacceptable for a chat app Definitely to is. me. That's literally, I can tell you, my system running idle with just my background tasks yep. is uh, 800 megs of RAM. Well, I think it's, you know what it is too. It's uh, it's software companies being lazy because they know that the hardware, people have got devices that can handle it. Like back just in to overuse it. Yeah, back in the days when, progr- like, say, Nintendo, when you were writing a Nintendo you game, all, these hacks, all the hacks you had to do fit to... Fit everything to into the right level of amount of memory. Exactly. Yeah. And quite fascinating yeah exactly they're trying to get these games inside like they had constraints that they had to work within whereas yeah. now it's just like Do oh, don't worry want. about it yeah, yeah. don't worry about memory like don't worry about performance memory and performance and all this stuff is like pushed so far to the background that it never doesn't really matter well in front end we like never even talk about performance really when you're writing code like do you ever I, I've never seen a time where someone said to me oh the JavaScript's not optimized enough maybe you can make a few small improvements with i've never gotten that in uh no not not something like that that'd be different the performance that i'd be thinking about would be uh i've commented about it i don't know i actually you're right i've never seen someone else comment about it except for one person i used to work with Mm. who was a front-end lord master Mm. um bigger than a grandmaster bigger than a grandmaster lord master he was he was a very he literally he was special for front-end like he knew every browser api and yep. he, d- he did not know anything about AWS. He did not know anything about Node. Yeah. But he was the browser guy. Mm. And he was nuts for, like, browser performance. performance. Yeah. Yep. Which is what you should be, mm. like, as, a, as the ideal front-end engineer. Mm. Um, but, uh, uh, the o- like, just optimizing loops and stuff. There's a lot of unnecessarily uh, re-renders that you get, you know. Mm. When you're developing, you need to turn on, like, uh, update flashes and stuff. Mm. You need to keep it on. So you can see when things are going out of hand. Because before you know it, your whole app's re-rendering every time you click a button. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely an issue. So, okay, you, you made a, f- a point there about the front-end Lord Master knowing everything about front-end. Yeah. Can you actually be a full-stack developer? I'm losing faith. What do you mean? At the beginning, I thought I'm going to be a full... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good. Oh, but how, can, how do I get there? Well, I, I don't know. I'm like, every time I think about how much more stuff I've got to learn, I'm like, I'm going to be here 10 years learning all this stuff. No, I don't think so. It's the fundamentals. That's, I think it's just, uh, it, you need a little bit of time. You need to, you know, be patient with yourself. But also, uh, don't learn, do, you have to learn them, obviously, for your job, like the React APIs. But the really important thing are the fundamentals. Mm. You're going to get a job either way whether or not you know that reacts that like tiny little react api or not yep. the thing that's really going to improve your ability and your understanding and your ab- ability to cross boundaries front and back end is your fundamental understanding mm. of computer science and of uh pr- your programming languages of choice but even uh after doing some testing so w- we done some testing last week with the app with some actual users and even that in itself is part of software development like well that's like product but yes yeah but making sure that you build something which is fit for purpose yeah even though like the product people normally do it uh you can still do it from a it should still be part of your perspective yeah. depends on the scale of the company yeah if you've got a, a chief product officer in your company mm. you know it's not really gonna fly for you to be making all these decisions no. but uh if you're in a startup like this then yeah we're all responsible for it mm. so you even need to have a few of those skill sets about like it's the infinite uh abyss of i have to learn something software <laughs> that's what i mean 
I'm yeah, I, I was thinking about it today that um you know I don't really hear accountants being like I'm just gonna like study accounting. When Hold I'm on, how many accountants <laughs> do you hang out with? Oh, I used to work at a bank, so oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> a couple. Fair, fair enough. Or people who like numbers, whatever. Yeah. Just other jobs. I certainly never like. I would only think about improving my work when I was at work, and only in relatively insubstantial, unsubstantial ways. Yeah. But then, as soon as you start in software, everything is about improving yourself. And. W- your output mm. and the way that you work and the way that you interface with people. Mm. Whereas like most other jobs, I don't see that from people. Mm. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's definitely people who are passionate about their careers. Uh, but I feel like o- o- almost everyone I know is passionate about improving their software practices. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? But then like what other jobs? Like when I was a butcher, uh, none of the butchers were interested in being a better butcher, obviously. Yeah. They just wanted to like. I've worked with butchers before too. Clock in, clock out. I th- I think. Uh, and that that some of it's kind of like on the job learning. Yeah. Like you learn from the people around you, with with like some of the trades. Yeah. There's not always that formal kind of learning, but maybe maybe the more technical things you have to do that formal kind of learning. Maybe. But. Uh, but you could get technical as a butcher I know if researchers you wanted to. as well, and I don't see researchers. Like, they they they're trying to learn, they're trying to execute on something, but I don't see them. I don't know. I mm. it feels very different fr- to to the way other people talk about their businesses and and their careers. But people in software. Funny thing you said to me today was you brought it up. Um, you brought up a conversation we had a few years back where I said to you that I want to, like, I enjoy learning new things. Yeah, and I like. I've been learning for two years straight, and I'm like thinking, like I'm still enjoying it, but I'm like, all right, enough with the learning. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I get it. Like, we have to keep learning, but can we just have a break for a bit? Yeah. No more new APIs, just for like, well, did no no new ways to do things. Can't we just do can't, as an industry software development? Can't we just go? All right, no new anything. anything. We're just making apps for like two this. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> Give everyone a break. That'd yeah. Probably be very healthy. Well, I I don't get that fatigue anymore though. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. But the but this this project isn't super challenging for you. No, but even at my last job, which I was learning, I, so I worked in Scala, Java, TypeScript, vanilla JavaScript, and in three different backend frameworks. Mm. I still wasn't fatigued from learning. I think part of it is, you know what you subscribe to? You subscribe to those JavaScript newsletters. Yeah, I'm getting burnt out And so out you from read that. all of this I stuff. Do, yeah. I don't read any of that. That's maybe what it is. Because, uh, you know what, those, those, those newsletters tell you nothing important. Mm. They tell, like, at best, they're going to tell you, like, oh, maybe this is the hot new stock to buy. Yep. Maybe this framework will be big. Yep. But then you end up learning that and not learning the fundamentals. Mm. The only thing that matters Comparing are the fundamentals. packages all the time. Yeah, the packages don't matter. Because you know what? You could write that freaking package <laughs> if you knew the fundamentals of it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Don't be scared. It's And then it's more satisfying as well. If you're always like comparing everything to A, comparing yourself to other people and where they are, and B, if you're constantly seeing things that you feel like you have to keep up with and it's going to be exhausting. Mm. But I don't feel exhausted because I don't... I I I only do the parts that are necessary that's true and then when something strikes my interest i seek it out mm. but i i definitely don't subscribe to uh, front-end newsletters and stuff yeah i've still got a fair few in my inbox from last week i got to read gotta i know up. You just i see you reading them. On. <laughs> you're, you're torturing yourself <laughs> with new apis and you see this stimulus thing and you're like oh fuck i've got to try stimulus what's stimulus i haven't heard of that one stimulus js isn't right. that the that's what i think it works with the the html thing we were just talking about oh right yeah. I'll have to try it then. No, you don't. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> you I could write one of these. Maybe if you wrote one, you'd feel like it's not so special. React isn't that special. Re- That's right. Maybe we I discussed this as well. React is just like people can rewrite that in in 20, uh, like 20 files, essentially. Yeah. Whatever. The, these libraries get big and scary because they're trying to support every single edge case, but like the the fundamentals of these things don't change that much. That's true. If I focus on the fundamentals of things, 
then you lo- you lose a bit of the magic. And of, then these new frameworks don't amaze you because yeah. it's like, well, yeah, you could do that. Yeah. Because all they did is add another hook here. Yeah, good point. And then the more features that these new f- frameworks get, you know what happens? New features. That's just more bloat. Features that are unused, that's bloat. So it's just like harder to maintain, mm. less solid. The system is less cohesive. Mm. The old stuff's going to work pretty well. Yep. So you heard it here first. They've run no new APIs for what, one year. Is that enough? Or is that what you're just committing to? Just don't send me any new emails. I've done some Yeah, don't stuff. read any emails. <laughs> I feel like Hacker News is all right. Hacker News is great. I love Hacker News. It's got a good balance though. Yeah, there's some non-hackery stuff on there And there's too. not that much JavaScript, which is good. I feel like people have a disdain for JavaScript on Hacker News. It's not a real yeah. programming language. No, it's fake news. <laughs> fake, fake, ju- fake programming. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about JavaScript. You need to learn something more serious. Like, what? What? what's more serious than JavaScript? I don't know. Outro Ac- music. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe rapid. Maybe maybe we should just be content creators. Uh, I'm headed that way. You know, that's what all the best JavaScript. Oh no, sorry, the best developers are is content. You're a creators. JavaScript developer, so you I'm working on my you're course. Not, you're not going to be a very good content creator. You need to be. You need to be writing like. I'm not a JavaScript developer. Don't you need brand. To be me. Assem- I hate it. Assembly. I'm a, a software messiah. <laughs> <laughs> messiah, grandmaster. Until next week, and what will you be next week? You better think of something. Where do you progress from here? I mean, you've pretty much hit the peak. Software Emperor. Emperor of JavaScript. Yeah. Mm. Taking over the internet. Find out next week on James's LinkedIn. <laughs> Actually, I have to go and check it out and have a look. Yeah, it's it's there. All yeah. right, everyone. This Good was episode. Unruly. Good to be software. back. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, we forgot to tell everyone we're Unruly Software. We didn't do the intro. We're doing it in the outro. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>